man. So we got topics to start with. You you can either you can choose. This is an R.L. Stein. Where's my burrito? Choose your own adventure. Okay. Oh shit. We can either talk about uh, airplane crashes because I'm excited about talking about that. Actually, it's a weird thing to be excited about. I agree, but let's explore that further. <laughs> the other thing is, I literally just uh, like an hour ago, I just finished uh, Twin Peaks: The Return for the second time. And yeah, like, and I have some opinions on it. Now, here's the thing. Oh, third option, Nazis, because we do David Lynch and we do Nazis. This one's actually a really good Nazi story, I promise. Like, I would just really love to go one episode without even a Nazi mention, and it's already too late, so uh, we'll talk about that too. Man, so at at this point, you have three doors in front of you. Which door do you choose, Maxwell? So to recap, I've got plane crashes. Yep. Just plane crashes. Yep. Uh, Twin Peaks, The Return, which I love. Yarp. Or Nazis. I'm picking Twin Peaks, Christian. Well, okay. We're going to go there. <laughs> All right. So listen, for people who don't know Twin Peaks, I'm sorry, because this is going to devolve into a like at least a 30-minute deep dive on this fucking show, I feel like, because I'm so next level in love with it. We'll also post it. I'll cut the audio for this, and we'll put it in movies and shit as its own separate mm-hmm. thing. Do you think that um, maybe as like a, a sampler platter for people who aren't on board, we should talk about plane crashes first and like see if they're still like right? Let's do that. Do you mind? Let's do plane crashes. We're and then we can load in our episode with the thirty minute conversation on yeah. Twin Peaks: The Return. You nailed it. All right, so I'm glad I, we I've talked seen our way it, this. and I still haven't seen it. So, <laughs> all right, so yeah, let's start with plane crashes, which is this. Uh, do you know how much traveling I'm doing in the next two months? I think we've talked I, about this a little bit. Yeah, I do, and I don't understand how you live this life, but I'm so happy for you. I hate it. <laughs> Let me just be very clear about that. But just so the itinerary, in the next two months, in the next two months, I will be in Austin. Privilege, man. <laughs> it's not privilege. I work very First hard. world problems. Right I work there. very hard, and I deserve to complain I, about I, I hate that I just have to travel to all these fun and interesting locations I've never been to. We'll talk about my privilege at a later date, sir. All right. I'm just trying to tell you about the amount of plane traveling I have to do. Okay. Cause I'm okay. going to LA next week, going to yep. Austin three weeks after that, yep. two days after I get back from Austin, I'm in Puerto Rico. A week and a half after that, I'm in Florida. And then two weeks after that, I'm in Toronto. That's, that's 10 airplane rides that I'm going to have to do in the that's, next two months. That's too much. I agree too much. I'm exhausted just listening to that. Why did you schedule your life this way? Didn't mean to, but you know, like you gotta, you gotta pay the cost to be the boss. As they say, I think Snoop said that. And, uh, you know, he's a dog. Is this going to help you be the boss? I mean, one day, I mean, you got to make moves, man. I'm going to LA and I'm just going to like, just pass out my, I'm going to print out a thousand more comics and just leave it on street corners and just be like, I was going to say like the whole making moves thing isn't about like your physical location. It's not just changing where you are. You have to be like, yeah, dropping comics. That's the big theory about LA. Just by being there, you've somehow put yourself in a more advantageous position. But the truth is it's just littered with people who all had that same fallacy in their head. I, I feel like, yeah, you're just like jumping into the deep end of the competition pool instead right i don't know man but my point is this since i'm going on 10 airplane you know round trips and and all that shit naturally what i do is i just start looking up uh every airplane crash that's been caught on youtube okay because that's what i do as you know this naturally yeah well you know this about me let's not Mm -hmm. let's not let's not be surprised i'm the guy who looks at tsunamis and tornadoes on youtube and i need to pick me up you know so love disasters and death and I don't know if I love Horrible death, accidents. but I love the spectacle of death. Okay. <laughs> That's spectacle. what's amazing. 
So Hindenburg, you would have been front oh, row seat. God. Oh my god, just having a great time, dude. Oh, humanity and just I, like Snapchatting it. Almost exactly. I almost wish I was alive in that time, knowing that I'd be long dead now <laughs> in this timeline, just so I could have seen that in person. Like that would be amazing. I mean, I've said the same thing about Titanic, man. Just to be like right. a little tiny boat that they can't see, just watching it all go down. I don't rescue anybody. Where That's- is the Oculus games for that? <laughs> is my question. You're like, who would sink millions and millions of dollars into you dying, like, horribly, you know? I mean, somebody out there, right? They, they made a fucking game simulator to see if you could kill JFK in the same way that uh, What's-His-Face did. That's actually bold. That's just for science. That's not for hubris, okay? Like, I think you won a prize if you actually, like, did it the exact way, and one guy did. Proving that it's a one-in-a-million shot, but Lee Harvey Oswald is that one-in-a-million, you know? He's, He's a one-in-a-million uh, champ no you know because the the thing about lee harvey oswald is we all get mad at him that he killed the president but he was also like the best shot ever you know like there's that whole thing in full metal jacket where the uh the the drill sergeant is just like lee harvey oswald like just talking about him like he's this great ex-marine or former marine yeah and then the guy who uh old italian bolt action rifle fired off three rounds in three seconds it was like oh jeez. right like even the marines sworn to protect the president was like yo but that shot was fired though okay are we gonna call a spade a spade here or what like oh dude can't say that that's right fuck even all right i just want to where's my burrito continuity we have taken that out you're not allowed to say spade anymore i apologize that's my bad but that's okay so I watched a bunch of like airplane crashes. I watched, uh, and then, oh my God, got stuck on a rabbit hole at four o'clock in the morning of just documentaries on what the fuck happened to that Malaysian plane from a couple of years back. Remember that one? Oh, the one that disappeared? Bro, the ocean? they never found it. They still haven't found it. You know? The ocean's a big place. I bet some fish found it. Which is what we talked about. Because remember when we were talking about the Titanic, one of the many times we talked about the Titanic, I was like, you know what's a bigger achievement than building the titanic was when they found it it. like holy shit that's really impressive so like the titanic much bigger than a plane obviously and so you figure that would be a little bit easier and also um that material is so heavy that it sank right where a lot of the plane stuff didn't sink like a lot of the auxiliary parts of it floated because they found like they found like debris in indonesia or like fucking madagascar or something a long time ago afterwards and shit so so so, so what's the working uh, conspiracy theory with this this flight like what okay the well this is where it gets fucked up because this is my greatest fear i tell all right so when it comes to plane crashes i'm not scared of the crashing because that is so anomalous and also we've had two plane crashes in the last five months so i think my odds are like golden you know what yeah, i mean the more plane crashes you have preceding your flight the less I'm likely good. it's gonna be you exactly yeah. like you know when people like like if a plane crashed the day before i went on vacation i would be even more emboldened to go on most people would be like fuck that no way oh, that that's like plane roulette right there like right. there's no bullet in the chamber anymore you're good you nailed it dude and so that's my problem even though i'm fine with the odds of the crash you know yeah. Uh, what I'm not okay with is like, listen, I'm a depressed, anxious fuck sometimes. What if this pilot's just having a bad day and he's just like, you know what, fuck it all and goes down. Yeah. Now people have said there's safety uh, like protocols in that. Like if a plane goes down too quickly in a certain amount of time, uh, mm-hmm. it, like they can remotely lock that shit in place. I don't think that's true, but that's what people tell me to make oh, me feel better. It's like the, the big lie or something. This is like a fight club style, like. They just put the mac- oxygen masks there to get you high. Right. You accept your fate. Makes that you actually, but how do we not know that that's not true? I mean, like, I don't know that that's not true. I've never I mean, tested Tyler it. Tyler Durden said it. Right. 
a beacon of truth <laughs> in, a, in a world of lies. <laughs> Tyler Durden. He was never once misleading throughout the entire film. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm always scared of. And apparently that's not like a thing. Um, but then there was, there was like one pilot or one plane crash recently where that pilot knew that and was very smart. So he just very gradually kept bringing it down, like where it wouldn't raise suspicion until he was like uh -huh. in the Alps and he was just like, fuck it, and just killed everybody on board. Did, did he yell that, fuck it? Uh, that's what the black box says, I don't know. <laughs> man. But, but yeah, so that's my whole, that's my whole like, uh, I'm kind of scared about that because when it comes to the Malaysian plane theory, supposedly like they showed the path that it took and it was supposed to just go right over the Gulf of Thailand I could be fucking that up. I'm sorry. It could be like the Gulf of Korea. I don't know my Asian geography and I feel bad about it. But the point is, they're supposed to go from like there right over to Beijing, land in Beijing. Instead, it goes like this. It makes its final radio contact, takes like a very quick right, but immediately takes a sharp left and is now going this way. And now after it gets out into right around where the Indian Ocean starts, it takes another sharp left, okay? Mm -hmm. And then it's the straightest fucking line you have ever seen in the world. Like, like none of the other turns seem to be like have any rhyme or reason to them or any like method to the madness. But now no, this- like locked in. Yeah. And by the way, uh, just another version of being like, the world is so big and we have seen so little of it. He's flying in the Indian Ocean, which I don't know about you, but in geography class, Indian Ocean's always kind of like shat upon, you know? It's, like, the, it's the forgotten stepchild it's of oceans. It's fucking huge. It's not as wide, but it is long, like as right. fuck. And so that's the path it took, just in the Indian Ocean for seven straight hours, and then it lost contact. No one knows where it was, right? So it's just going deeper in. Not heading like, towards any like heading towards mass. like Antarctica, no landmass. Yeah, just like straight in the middle of the fucking Indian Ocean, going down, going south. Or so not Antarctica. Yeah, Antarctica. Yeah, the south one. So you think this um, was a lost type of thing. You think dude, there's like an island out there, and they're like all chilling there. They're like, why hasn't anybody rescued us? This is where it gets a little creepy, man. Because the theory is that like because they investigated the pilot initially. The pilot had nineteen thousand hours of flying. He wasn't some amateur pilot. Okay, so they yeah. the, the two working theories are this: either he deliberately did it without any reason which is horrific, right? Because the, the, when, when these things happen, we at least want to be able to piece together the why and the how, yeah. but we don't horrific, have that. but possible. Like, right. Yeah. The other option was they said a fire broke out on board. Not enough to have caused enough damage to, to like bring the plane down, but enough that it made everyone on the plane unconscious, right? Uh. But again, how did the autopilot get locked in? You know, there's like so many fucking variations to it, which I'm just like, the third right. option is it's fucking lost, man. That right. nothing can explain this except like destiny and time and smoke monsters. It scares me, man. I mean, again, though, like it, it happened that one time. So the odds of whatever happened happening to you pretty low i, think I know right, but each time you take a plane ride you exponentially increase like again like i want to know how you 100 increase your chance of dying by elephant owning an elephant like it's the right. same thing it's, about that. <laughs> it's the same fucking thing with a plane it's like look i'm going on 10 of these in like right. two months so if anything happens i really feel like i brought it upon myself but still just I mean, the idea go ahead why don't you just ride on trains bro what do you got against trains you, you, you got to get to places that quick you're right. Well, Toronto, I might actually just take a train. I'm looking into that because that might yeah. be a pretty little you know, trek up the country. But yeah, yeah, you get a little seat. You watch the countryside change. You go, oh, man, look at me. I'm a traveling guy. I'm just traveling mm. around. All right. I'm going to take a plane. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, so so 
just like four o'clock in the morning looking at this and no one understands it. People think I'm like masochistic and I don't know if that's the right word, but I definitely find some weird peace in looking at all this. And like, I saw, saw one video where, where the pilot is, is so borderline losing his shit. Like you could hear the fear in his voice as he's instructing people like, all right, you got to keep your head down and, and grip the bottom of your seat. Like, cause I guess they're about to crash land. Like their landing gear wasn't working correctly. And so you can hear it. I'm just like, look, I like every time I'm on a flight and I hit some bad turbulence, the first thing I look at is the, is like the, are you allowed to say stewardess? Is that the right word? Flight attendant, flight attendant. Let's call it flight attendant. All right. I see the flight attendant and if they're chill, I am chill. They do this a billion times a day. They know what bad turbulence versus, you know, normal turbulence is. Mm -hmm. Okay. The minute that these fuckers are showing fear, I am losing my shit, okay? I'm just trying to fucking do whatever I can. I'm opening the plane because in yeah. my mind, me jumping out of the plane gives me more likelihood for survival <laughs> than the plane crash. At least you have more control over your destiny. You're not locked in like exactly. some lamb going to the slaughter. Fuck no, that. like I, Sometimes I, I just have to like reckon with my own mortality every time I'm in a plane and I hit the slightest bit of turbulence. I have that conversation in my head where I'm like, all right, you this might die. It. I just want to like prepare you for that, like talking to myself. Right. Yeah. It's like, all right, look at all these people. These are who you're going down with. There's that fucking guy that keeps farting, and there's that right. girl that complained about you kicking her seat. You know, like it's just like you just have to deal with it, bro. Right. I try to get into some conversation about like um, how many people you think like the plane's going down. How many people you think are like just trying to fuck in that moment because there's nothing else to. Do. And this isn't just me making shit up because one mall rats has a scene like that cabin fever talks about that too like the plane's going down all you want to do is like carnally right. fucking like you know. last night on earth what are people going to do they're gonna right fucking, it's going to be a fuck fest it's going to yeah, be it like, is. Uh, matrix uh <laughs> matrix fest. whatever <laughs> it's gonna be that matrix 2 scene this is like a 20 minute orgy for no reason but for no just a techno orgy scene did they make the first one just so they could get the funding to do that you know scene? that's what it was all about they started with that scene worked their way backwards right. man fucking like true they, they just wanted to make a softcore porno with techno music and they did all the rest just fucking window dressing right man because again they're exploring that same social phenomenon of like like in that scene zion is is the plane going down so everyone's just yeah. fucking last night on earth yeah. and so that's what i literally got into dolores did not seem to understand that impulse at all and i'm like the worst gonna end what do you mean like yeah. that's your past honey if you're on a plane and the plane's going down you fuck whoever you want because you got about 10 minutes to live at best <laughs> like i'm just saying like i mean i don't want you to spend your last 10 minutes and just direct like because that's the other part about plane crashes they're never quick it's not like it's like it's, yeah, i guess you have I, a, more than enough time to think about like i'm dying yes like you know you get shot in the back of the head there's no it's it's shitty you don't get me wrong but there's nothing right. about it that's like up oh, lights off that's fine yeah if you get like ned starked like honestly right. not a bad way to go out right i mean he it's only like, knew that he was gonna die about 40 seconds before he dies you know what right. i mean Right. and he got to see his daughter and hear his other daughter screaming perfect scenario right no i don't know man it just creeps me out it's it's the worst way i think to go out because of the amount of time you have to reflect on it you know what i mean um, but you also hear some great story. I mean, the, the, just so you know, YouTube also was like, hey, it's not that bad. They showed me a bunch of examples of times where horrific things have happened mid-flight and these fucking talented motherfuckers, man, they like stuck the landing, literally yeah. stuck the landing, okay? Uh, because they're, they're flying a plane. There's one that was in Canada that was about, I guess, I guess Canada wasn't always metric and I didn't realize that. So there was a flight from Montreal to Edmonton 
And when they got to Montreal, they were supposed to put 25,000 kilograms of fuel into the plane. Instead, they put 25,000 pounds of fuel into the plane. And this caused them to run out of gas at 41,000 feet, sir. All right. And like, this is where the story. The hubris of not embracing the metric system. (laughs) This will be our downfall. It really is. Are you listening, America? You're fucking up. Uh, but no, dude, so this is where the story gets like incredible because then they start doing it in real time, which mm-hmm. is like they lose, uh, they lose all uh, fucking gas, which means they lose electricity to the cockpit. So now all they have is an analog altitude meter, which is not accurate, but they're trying their best to make it accurate. There's only two people on board, this guy named Captain Rob Bob and uh, this, this guy. I'm sorry, name- <laughs> backtrack, Rob Bob. His name is Robert Bob, like Koloski. But for me, I just, just heard drop, Rob. You can't name drop Rob Bob and just move on like it's nothing. All right, I'm sorry. You can't do that. Rob Bob and his and his French Canadian uh, coke uh, first. What is that first officer? You know what I'm talking about? Coke co-pilot first officer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his Was name he is coked coke. up. No, that'd be amazing. <laughs> so the Rob Bob and out. his <laughs> coke fiend co-pilot. His name is Maurice. He's a French Canadian man from Quebec. All right. And so this plane's going, they hear this loud sound like bong, which they have never heard before. And then they're just like, Oh, what do you do if you run out of fuel in midair? No chapter on that in the old flight manual. So they're just like flipping through the pages, like casually like, well, I don't see anything here. So literally (laughs) this is in the eighties too. So no Google guy, like this is the best part of this. Yeah. This is 80, like six or something. So, so this is what happens. Uh, they, the entirety of when they run out of fuel to when they touch down is only 11 minutes, guy. All right? I need you to know how rapidly we are descending here and the amount of advantageous and fortuitous circumstances that had to lead to this being incredible. So they run out of, uh, out of gas. They run out of fuel. And now they're just sitting there and they're like, well, how do we land this fucking thing? Do we have enough to divert to, uh, to uh, God, what, what's the one of it? Saskatchewan. Can we get to Saskatchewan? They're like, nah, man, he's French Canadian. He's like, no, we cannot do it. He's doing the math. He's like, how fast are we going and shit like that? All right. But the other thing is this, Captain Rob Bob is a fucking, uh, he, he, uh, what is those motorless glider planes? You know what I'm talking about? Like people will fly you up and then they cut the cord and you're just using the wind Mm, currents to fly. And that's a different technique because you have to be able to like dip and and raise yourself back up. You're you're like a bird. Exactly. So this guy, who of course just had logged in like 150 hours of doing the the gliders, he's like, I fucking got this, eh? And he just like starts to control the blade. And so meanwhile, Maurice is running the fucking numbers. He's doing like, you know, like algebra and quantum physics and shit. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, we can't make it to Saskatchewan. We got to go over here to this. uh, It's a decommissioned Air Force base. I once worked there when I was in Her Majesty's Royal Air Force. And he's like, okay, let's fucking do it, man. So they're really making this co-pilot sound like really saucy and really you know like i don't know i just assume he's french canadian i just assume i once worked there just loudly declaring his credentials like it's not the time maurice it's not the time or the place maurice we get it you're impressive you have a good resume right so fucking maurice is is like doing the it's just so i'm again really the villain in this story is no he's the fucking hero what are you talking Uh, Maurice is the I don't don't like the cut of his jib I don't don't like it All right, so let me just tell you now they're losing altitude pretty hard they have brought the bird down to 200 miles per hour that's as fast as they can go to glide it they feel and they're coming in hot so they're trying to reroute it to this decommissioned Air Force base little does Maurice know though 
that this decommissioned Air Force base has been turned into a fucking racetrack. Little does he know that there's a race happening at this exact moment, okay? And that there's fucking people all over the sides, all right? Doesn't matter to Rob, Bob, and Maurice. They ain't got an option. So they're just taking this yeah. bird down. They're coming in too high. They, they, they couldn't get the landing gear to stick properly. The two back wheels went, but not the first wheel, okay? And so they're just like, ah, oh, shit, we have no choice. We're going to have to approach. They fucking approach. They almost hit like every car on the racetrack, number one. And then there's also the civilians to worry about. Right. But Maurice is like, fuck it, we do it. And so the, the plane's going down and they fucking touch down the, the, the fucking front wheel. <laughs> What's so He's such a villain. Think about this for a second. The amount of people in the stands that they might have killed because of Maurice. Unbeknownst to Maurice. Way more than the people on the plane. Just take it on the chin, Maurice. <laughs> well, they fucking, they touch down. The front wheel does not lock into place. So now the nose of the plane is just straight hitting the fucking yeah. pavement. Fire breaks out. Captain Rob Bob's like, um, uh, I, I think his quote, I'll never forget this because they have a documentary of him talking about it. And he's just like, he's like, as soon as we touch down, I, st I stood on the brakes. And he just, there's like an animation of him standing on the brakes. <laughs> Sorry, like trying to slow Standing the fucking on the plane down. Yeah, like of so, the like, plane. Holy yeah, not shit! Not even like you're sitting down and you hit the brakes. He's like literally like. Yeah. And even all these years later in this interview, like he gets that passionate and hyped about. It. He's like, I stood on the brakes. I stood on the brakes. <laughs> and then him and Maurice are just like, ah, oh, shit. But guess what, man? They what? don't fucking. No one dies. Like, Rob Bob's cool. And you want to know the fucking sad part about this? Air Canada is like, oh, you're suspended. You fucked up. And we're just like, what do you mean? You ran out of fuel. And, and yeah. we single-handedly, you think anyone, you think fucking anyone else? It was me and Maurice, okay? And Did so, Rob Bob have to pay damages to the racetrack? Or was it Maurice? It should have been Maurice. Let's no, they didn't have to, but they're Canadian. They have a sense of morality, you know, like responsibility. They, they, I'll, I'll write you a check. Don't cash it for like the first 15 years, though. It's going to be a while. Kind of a massive fortune first. Uh, but yeah, so it was fascinating. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, the idea is that there's so many of these like you know protocol like that you know the pilots are not fucking idiots believe it or not like they have to be able to go through a billion there's different that classic scenarios. stereotype you know just pilots <laughs> pilots so are idiots stupid. yeah pilots wanted to be doctors but they were too fucking stupid so they decided to fly planes that's that's one of my favorite like throwaway uh, bits from one of the simpsons episodes i forget which one it is but like homer is dressed up like a pilot so he can go to a pilot's bar <laughs> right. and like somebody bursts in he's like hey i need a pilot and homer's like i'm not a pilot and he's like ah you fly boys always make me laugh and just drags him <laughs> kicking and screaming to the plane and he's like i told you i'm not a pilot I keep telling you, you fly boys always make me laugh. And then slams the door. <laughs> oh, um, what a perfect show. What a perfect show. God damn anyway. it. <laughs> no, but, but hey, I, uh, good on Rob Bob. Good on Maurice uh, for, you know, saving lives. And, well, there's a cute yeah, little bow on shame this. Shame on, you know, us for not embracing the fucking metric system. <laughs> there's a cute little bow to this, which is they both got suspended for a little bit. And on their first flight back, they uh, they were linked up and they like came into the cockpit and they looked at each other and like oh like they gotta do this again i know i just I'm, I'm a racist man you know the french canadians yeah. are very uh you french coming in here with your privilege and your racism and your nazis <laughs> well, we'll get to nazis, all three sir. of those things we'll get to nazis um mm, but yeah wait. so my point is this uh the internet took care of me i looked at plane crashes and then i looked up some success stories and those Do are you wonderful feel better 
I feel that's the real question about the same as I ever did. I mean, like, again, I don't, this is why I always ask you is where's my burrito is half our ability to tell weird stories to each other. And uh, my therapy, I've, I've never made bones about that. Mm -hmm. So I ask you all the time, like, what does it mean that like I need to pick me up? Let me go look at tsunamis. Like, think about the people who died but just think about the lives that died still not even like human like you know right. whether they're alive or dead their lives are fucked you know i mean in a way i get it you know uh, the the scariest thing is the unknown it's what you can't see it's what you can't know it's you know the the right. burdened with possibility it's the netflix type syndrome again coming back netflix syndrome. well here's the fucking problem hold on because uh then i saw a video and this is what fucked with me where they landed in the ocean at night and people survived, but shark infested waters. And I'm just like, oh, I'll fucking just kill me. I was, I was going to bring that up. I was like, even if Go. you survive over the ocean, like fucking sharks, et cetera, do I need to Oh keep yeah, going? like listen, kill me. Like kill yeah. me in the ocean. <laughs> like I, 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 if the plane goes down, I need to That's die. That's gotta one be <laughs> one of the worst ways to go out. Just what, by sharks. Plane crash in the ocean? Oh, sharks, yeah. yeah. At night? Night oh, sharks? Especially night sharks, yeah opening scene from jaws but way deeper out didn't i tell you that i, I it's not like it's not accurate because i wasn't thinking about sharks at the time but i was thinking about visibility and i remember like i went on a cruise and i was like 16 my parents took me to mexico or whatever and i remember looking out on the side of the boat when we were in the middle of the gulf of mexico and just being like nothing's out here you know like, i just thought of that scene in titanic where they shoot the fucking uh, like firework off and then he cuts it's all right james cameron well done that That's wide bad. shot Way yeah bad. you're just like oh little... it's it's so big, but it's so insignificant, and the right. water doesn't give a fuck about you, you know? So, Why did we ever think that it was a good idea to travel by sea? I'm, well, what do you mean? I mean, see, that's, but that, that begs a different question, because that's interesting to me, right? Because that gets mm -hmm. into, like, a Game of Thrones thing, or any, any fantasy kind of thing. The, the oceans, or do you ever read American Gods by Neil Gaiman? It's a really great book. No? No. The central conceit to that is that when immigrants came over from Europe, they brought yeah. with them their gods because the demons couldn't cross the sea. And I love that. I think that's a beautiful fucking idea, right? So you cross the sea to flee the evil that's over there or whatever. And that's right. how you have, we have the old gods and the new gods and shit like that. But, so you think that's what historically happened? We were just trying to get away from like some, uh, you know, uh, water intolerant well people. you know if, if, let's not get too like actual metaphysical or like religious about it but just think about like okay puritans they left because they were being persecuted sort of and by persecuted they just felt like everyone was being too liberal like that's all right. like, so like fuck it we're going to the new land. conservative or christian enough yeah that's we're what happened go, yeah so we're gonna go to this crazy place and go to the north part of it where it's cold right, right. come on well, I think they just went in a straight line as best they could, and they landed where they in landed. What, in uh, Roanoke? Well, you're talking about the first one? Yeah. The first one, the first colony we ever did was Roanoke, yes. Uh, but the Puritans, well, Plymouth Rock is what I'm referring to more than anything else. Like, that's is that probably a bad time. I'm saying, like, settle in, like, South Carolina. You know, settle in. Uh, <laughs> the, worst, the worst of the Carolinas? <laughs> Why? Well, it wasn't then, you know. It was just a warm place where uh, some Native Americans were. But, and it's not going to, you're not going to freeze. Okay. Well, I mean. I, I'm just saying, like, poor decision making all around. Didn't mean to stall the podcast here. I well, just, you know, I don't, I don't agree fine. with their, uh, what, what they were going for. <laughs> I'm just saying, you're asking why we ever traveled the oceans. I'm just trying to give a beautiful little response to it. You're just like, but why'd they go to a cold place? They need jackets. They don't know. I saw that one movie 
you know, New Worlds. They made it look like a terrible time for everybody. Dude, but every time was a terrible time, except now. I really feel that way. I mean, the last 50 years have been pretty lit, but every other time hasn't been good. Do you think that, like, we complain about times now, and it's not so much that times are bad, it's just that we're at the peak of the wave, and all we see is that, like, steep dive down, and we just oh. know how much worse it's going to get? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's fucked. I think we're all fucked. Like, I think we're having that- a great time, right? We need to appreciate the now, man. Right. You and me, we're not going to, like, move the wheels of history here. Let's just enjoy the time we got. I was thinking about that. go collapse happens. I was literally thinking about that. I'm like, does anything we do matter? Obviously. Um, well, yeah, well, well, I mean, maybe. obviously, anything you do. What's that angel quote, man? If nothing we do matters and all that matters is what we do. It's like. How do you, how do you know that quote? <laughs> angel, man. Angel. The best, hey, the best show. Hey, watch Angel. <laughs> uh, Thursdays at 9 on CBS. Not really. Uh, but no, it, it does presuppose that whole idea that like, yeah, technically nothing you do matters. I was thinking about, I, I don't know, just like the way that we've, we've moved in the, just the last couple of years. I was thinking about like trans rights recently for some reason. I was just like, wow, man. In like five years alone, that has really like seismically shifted. Yeah, we've really uh, moved the uh, yard, yards. Well, right. And what I'm saying is like, okay, let's say, let's say somebody, I'm trying to figure this out because that's not how I feel, but I could, I could understand someone be like, oh, look, I'm totally for trans people being treated like humans, but let's understand that biology is biology and that like X and X and X and Y. And it's just like, bro. mm, Yeah. Like see like Ben Shapiro on Joe Rogan or something. Right. Yeah. But she's, you know, I'll call her she and everything, but that's not a she, that's not a woman. And it's like, dude, you, why are you getting, well, that's my point. But even if you're not a piece of shit, like he is, even if you just mean it like scientifically and you're like, I don't begrudge anyone for being wanting to be called whatever they want to be called, but we have to understand that like, this is this and this is that like, it doesn't matter. Like don't because nothing you say is going to change the fucking tide, man. Like it's just, and so that's my point. And I feel like people are frozen into indecision all the time. We're all a bunch of hamlets, man, chosen between action and inaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's easier to be like, nothing we do matters. Let's just have a good time. Uh, but yeah. then I'm tortured with the idea that like, well, that's bullshit. And if everyone has the mentality, nothing good is going to happen. And just the fucking, the, the vultures will take over, man. Is that too dark? Have we gone too dark here? I'm sorry, guys. Wait, <laughs> like, specifically the vultures? Yeah, no, There's no, no. It's going to be a world just vultures. run by vultures. <laughs> No, you know what I mean, man. I don't know. I'm just picturing like a, a nightmare landscape littered with trash. All the grass is dead. <laughs> lightning flashes and just vultures everywhere. Vultures right. wearing hats. Vultures with monocles. Vultures going to work. Smoking walking and just regurgitating bones of hamsters that they ate. People in chains and vultures just going. Gah, gah. So, so people are still around in this vulture dystopia. Vultures need them around to gather up all their small rodents and pets. Right, because, you know, we may have fucking squandered our use here, but the vultures understand the opposable thumb. <laughs> like, that's how they only get shit they done. They understand that. And they also know to be the dominant species, they're not going to get their wings dirty, you know? Like, send the subjugated species to Absolutely. do it. That's how we did it. They've been taking notes. They've been watching. They've been learning. Right. Fuck, man. I, you kind of got me on hype about these vultures. <laughs> Vulture Apocalypse, bro. I'm new just sci-fi saying, original movie. Look, we've had our chance and we have fucked it up. Like, give it to the vultures, man. Like, I mean, if any living creature on God's green earth deserves it. I, I, I guess it's, so. It's the noble vulture. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I've never heard a vulture be called noble. Like, that's incredible. No one likes vultures. Not even vulture experts like vultures. They uh, suck. 
Uh, anyway. Christ. Anyway, my point so is... So Nazis. Yeah. Oh, we're going to talk about Nazis? All no, right, well, 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 we can wrap up the whole, like, uh, we're riding the wave and seeing everything going down. And, like, right, right. Do. Like, do, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts on that. I don't know if I have any closing thoughts about any of it. I mean, other than to just be like, you know, we're... we're, we're we're all fucked. I mean, that's all I can kind of come away from, dude. I just, you know, airplanes, they scare me. I feel better about them, but really oceans are the scariest thing. Sharks. I'm, I hate them. That's all I got. Sharks are pieces of shit. I don't like them. So speaking of Nazis quickly, before I get to what I want to talk about is because I always had this like weird uh, fascination with the Nazis in as much that as much as we knew about them, we didn't know anything about them or like a lot of the shit they were doing. That's what's really impressive about like when it was happening. Well, we kind of knew I'm just talking about like their science experiments, right? Because one, we, we just swept that shit under a rug, right? Operation paperclip. We're just like, look, you may have been a Nazi, but we got to beat the Russians to space. So come on over. You know what I mean? So that's one thing, but I just mean the strange love situation. Yeah. I'm just thinking about like the fact that they were so secretive and there was like all these genetic tests and all this other shit, right? That like, I remember there's a video in the early fucking infancy of YouTube that was like Nazis and dinosaurs. And we all watched that and we're like, oh, that's kind of funny. But then it really occurred to me, like the Nazis were so big and so mysterious that if like news broke tomorrow that like they found an underground like Nazi dinosaur factory, I'd be like, holy Mm -hmm. shit, I called it. Like I knew it this whole time, man. Um, a Nazi a, dinosaur factory. Factory. Well, like, yeah, they compile. They they manufacture them there. We make and sell dinosaurs. <laughs> Is that he's the one guy still there? He's, like, keeping the dream alive? <laughs> he's, like, 106 years old, unbeknownst to us, like, the oldest right. living man just still making dinosaurs operating he sounds the factory by charming himself. as fuck too like and we always talk about the myth of the charming nazi but this guy may he may be like the sweetest man in the world he's just making nazi dinosaurs like. yeah like the, the dinosaurs themselves don't have any political allegiances you know they, they don't have any opinions on like the subjugation of other races like to, right. to them we're all either food or not a plant <laughs> nothing in between that is the <laughs> only dichotomy pretty much Oh man, uh, the, the real reason I wanted to bring up Nazis though is for something far less insidious, just really badass. Because often I think, I think even though we we wait, were, less insidious than making dinosaurs in a secret lab run by one man who's the oldest <laughs> man on earth, what could possibly be? <laughs> That's a high bar, Christian. Where are you going with this? No, this is actually because listen, I think I think the problem is as much as we both are like fuck Nazis, these these are the fucking worst people who have ever walked the earth. We, uh, we also kind of uh, make them like palatable sometimes. We make them adorable. You have to. So I want to get away from that. And instead, I want to talk about this story I read, which was like so fucking amazing to me. There is a woman, and I am blanking on her name completely, but she just died. She's 92 years old. And she was a woman who executed like 170 Nazis, dude. By herself, well, kind of. They did Wait, like a, this was like a side project for her. Well, so she she like this she was, was like her job. No, she was like fifteen. No, she was like fifteen years old. All right, and she ran like a Dickensian fucking hustle. You know, like we're like Russian. You said yeah, I can look it up. Hold on, because I do think maybe, maybe details matter here. <laughs> yeah, because uh, like if it's a Russian, no offense to the Russian listeners, we may or may not have. Uh, <laughs> that makes more sense to me. Right. Hold on. They I'm would let it. a fifteen-year-old kill. 
Well, because the, the not the Russians don't give a fuck about like uh, age uh, requirements. They got their kids sure. like drinking vodka at age five, man. Right. No, she was born in in uh, in Denmark, I think. No, wait, uh, in the Netherlands, in the Netherlands. So, um, so stomping around with wooden shoes and right. singing about the sound of music or whatever they do up there. Yeah, that's all. Avoiding Nazis, by the way. <laughs> I mean, like that's the fucking point. But all right, so her name is Freddie Oberstegen. That's her name. I'm sure I butchered it, but. What you need to know about her is that she was a fucking badass. Like, not only did she, like, blow up bridges and railroad tracks and shit like that, she would do a Dickensian-esque fucking hustle on Nazis to get them, like, away from other Nazis into secluded areas, and then she would fucking shoot them. Like, like a badass, man. Like, it's... She, so she would, like, lure them, like, oh, do you want to go for a stroll? Then she would lure a Nazi out into the middle of the fucking woods, and then she would have, like, a fucking revolver or, like, a, like a what is it, a Lutker, whatever was the German gun, you know what I'm talking about? They would have that in, like, the bottom of her bike basket and just take that shit out and shoot Nazis all to hell. Because the Nazis are thinking, like, oh, it's, like, just a girl. Well, they're trying to fuck a 15-year-old, so yeah. I feel like they can't get too precious about it. But, like, oh, my God, dude. It was, like, the, it was the coolest fucking thing I've ever heard because you hear stories like that. We've talked about, like, I'm sure I talked about this on this podcast, but uh, Vitold Pilecki, where, like, where he's the guy who broke into Auschwitz because he could yeah, and, about him, yeah. and then broke out. Like, <laughs> what? But this one is the one that gets me because it just, like, you know, people talk about it all the time, like – the Nazis came and there was like this whole cult of personality and people just kind of went along with it. And it was kind of fucked up. Right. But no, there were people out there. They were just straight badasses. And this 15 year old was cooler than like, I don't know, Roosevelt was for letting this go on for so long. I don't know. I mean, dark thought here, but what if she was actually like a fucking psychopath who was just using this as an excuse to kill people? Good excuse. This is like a Ramsey Bolton type situation. Oh, this is, Oh, he's fighting for the North. It's okay. But no, it's, it's more it's like not, a wartime. It's, okay. it's it's a wartime Dexter is what it is. It's like, look, you're gonna kill anyway. At least kill Nazis, right? Right. She's and like, uh, I have to kill people. <laughs> her father's like, no, no, Freddy, no, <laughs> Freddy. What if I taught you? No, I must kill the people. <laughs> it's amazing. And then beyond that, she's like a Jewish Harriet Tubman. Apparently, she smuggled children out of concentration camps and shit. Like, don't laugh at that. I'm just trying to give Americans a focal point to reference. <laughs> a Jewish Harriet Tubman. That's great. She was. She snuck people out. She had like a whole network of uh, of, of like homes and, and and safe houses and shit like that. It's just. It's again. This is. This brings me to my so point. She was a fucking G, man. She should have been living in a McMansion. What were we just the, talking about? Which was like the uh, futility of doing anything, right? But it's mm-hmm. like no, the individual can make a difference. Granted, she had to shoot people, but the individual made a difference. The individual may, may, may not have made a difference in the geopolitical scale of, of the Holocaust and World War II and shit, but people are alive because of her. Like Schindler, right, is another well, example. Here, here's like, a question, like in terms of people making a difference. Do you think that we assign too much importance, like less importance to the Freddie Oberstegens of the world and more to like, say, the Michael Jacksons of the world? Just in, in so far to say that like artists and everything like uh, we we act like they're like these great personal heroes do you think that maybe we're putting these people up on pedestals a little too much i can't really honestly think of too many idols that right. i like i'm like oh god they're the right best. They, yeah they, I, no i'm, gonna, I'm it's gonna ruin my life if they die yeah i'm totally with you i mean there are people that don't get me wrong was affected when they died but that's not the same thing as like oh you know like i i agree i, th- I think the problem with this is people are largely untalented <laughs> I don't mean that in a shitty way. I just mean like people, 
Like to be a creative, you know this. You're a creative. Except dude. for it's anybody like, listening to this podcast, but <laughs> you're all you wonderful snowflakes, beautiful, talented snowflake people. Uh, no, but but you you understand like what it takes to be creative, and like sometimes, like this is why fucking Vince Gilligan bothers me because he's just so happy and like good all the time. But like for me personally, there has to be like some version of isolation. Like there has to be some version of like some I turmoil. I, yeah, I go into a dark place. Uh, not maybe not mentally but just like i go into an office i try to shut everything out i try to come someplace i think a lot of people are untalented or they don't want to put in the work of having to actually make it work and so because of that we love people who can write a song as beautiful as yesterday right we love people who can make films that say something that we feel but we haven't been able to articulate so yeah we put these people on pedestals but they're not affecting anything in real life and what's so upsetting about that is that they should they have this incredible platform and they do fuck all with it you know yeah yeah, like you look at like Keith Richards and he's just had his blood replaced three times instead of just not drinking. Brought up Keith Richards. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to stop drinking, mate. All right. Just get me blood like, replaced. Yeah, like, th- those, those dudes are like living royalty. Like literally, they have more money than most entire generations of families combined will ever have. You know what makes me mad? Why don't like, because here's the thing. If you just got like, let's call it 50 millionaires who like all wanted to be on the same page with something, we could actually affect some real fucking change in the world, you know? Yeah. But the problem is you would have to like, <laughs> there would have to be like a lottery system for, for what, uh, what charity we're, we're, we're going to help out this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. like, listen, if we put all our resources into like, hey, we're going to stop world hunger, we could probably do it. As long as we had 50 fucking down rich motherfuckers who wanted yeah. to make a difference or in the even world. even just a couple billionaires. Like, just two, right. just two yeah. multi-billionaires get together. They say, hey, we're going to throw as much money as possible at a problem. Right. Climate change. Uh, I don't know. Animal abuse rights. I don't know. Uh, but but that's my point you're making my point which is like these people and i'm not talking about like like yeah millionaires are rich let's understand that but in terms of rich people rich millionaires are like the peasants okay like yeah. if you only have a million they don't give a shit about you if you right. have a billion then you're in, you're in big boy conversation and right. so that's my and point if you have a trillion then you're vladimir putin yeah you're that guy <laughs> and he can fix everything he just chooses not to man because we're all living in his world remember he's that making, he's making russia strong again man so I don't know. I, I think I think that that's a really interesting point, which is just like all of these people have status and have platforms and they could change the world. And instead they don't. And so I think about this this little girl at age 15, like taking yeah. matters into her own fucking hands, dude. It's kind of amazing. And kind of, like, or maybe terrifying because she was a crazy Dexter type. Who knows? Did you hear, by the <laughs> way, speaking of rich people with privilege and pedestals? Whatever, yeah, I just heard about this. Yeah, go uh, ahead. Like this, this whole school scandal yeah. where like, it, was it like 50 different people were caught like buying their children's way into prestigious universities? You know I hear a- William H. Macy included uh, was yeah. apparently caught on video like, fabricating his daughter's SAT or like hiring somebody or something? Well, he didn't get caught. Felicity Huffman got caught. He was caught on video like while she, like the month she was taking her uh, SATs and was like, oh, it's really tough. You know, she's studying so hard for the SATs and and uh, like, no, come on, guy. What are you doing? Like, sorry, I kind of was his Fargo character for a second. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I was like, that doesn't sound like. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, so what, yeah. what, I'll be honest. Here's the thing about this whole situation. Not, you're not surprised by this because it is no. something that we all assumed was happening, but for the proof to be there, you're just like, oh, it's all, it's all sham. Yeah, because yeah. money really does make the difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's not just that. It's like that's what they're doing with that prestige and that wealth and that influence is right. just 
dicking every like poor people over so their rich kid can go to a school they don't deserve to go to. Right. Instead, let, let your kid go to like a community college and band together with the other millionaires and tackle something real like save the fucking whales. I don't know. Right. The whales need it more than anyone. Felicity Huffman, I have no strong opinions on in terms of her body of work, but if she saved the goddamn whales, if she organized like a committee of PTA moms and got the fucking whales saved, I'd be like, Felicity Huffman, person of the year, put her on the Time magazine cover. I don't give a shit. But instead, she's like the biggest piece of shit of the year. Well, no. I think she was in Transamerica. Competition is very fierce. Yeah, I think she was in Transamerica, so she did her good well. I just talked myself out of that. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Self-awareness, man. It's, that's all you need. I, all I'm saying is this, that more students should, should you know, more people, and fuck students. I hate always attacking the youth, but like. Yeah, students are losers, am I right? No, what I mean is like Kylie High Jenner, five. Kylie Jenner has a hundred and two, I don't know how I many millions of people that follow her. And then I'm like, people know who she is. And She's I'm not the shooting first self-made billionaire. Yeah, but listen, I'm not hating on her. Like, I'm, I'm really not because I, she hasn't done anything wrong. She's not her sisters who annoy the shit out of me. Like, she really is her own thing. If she wanted to just capitalize on her name, she would just call herself Kylie Kardashian or whatever, you know what I mean? And, like, get that money. She didn't do that. So I don't hate on her per se, but I just have a problem with the fact that people know her, but people don't know this lady or, or any yeah. number of unnamed or heroes. Like the Supreme Court justices. Oh, my or, God. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. like think about this. state representatives. Well, think uh, about this. Like, how many – like, you can name all nine Supreme Court justices now, I know. But if I told you, like, name ten more in history, I don't think you'd be able to do it. That's my point. And you and I read I'd all the like, time. like, uh, Scalia, <laughs> that one real racist one. I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I it's my, my point is this, that like, we, we I mean, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm super, super intelligent, but I definitely- Thurgood Marshall? Thurgood Marshall, you nailed it, yeah. Two um, two, baby. You, I, like, we are well-read people. Like, we try to read as much as we can, and even then, we don't know everything. And so my point is like, but at least we try. We never stop thirsting for knowledge, where I feel like a lot of people are like, well, what's on Instagram, man? You know? And that kind of creeps me out. But I mean, you got to stay abreast of the Insta issues. <laughs> I guess so. I got to see what, um, you know, uh, Klondike 247 is eating on a Wednesday morning. You know? Right. I got to gotta find out. Mm. How am I going to go about my day without knowing what someone else ate? <laughs> Do That's the whole reason I follow Eric Wareheim, by the way. He's just basically a foodie blog, and it's amazing. I live vicariously through him. Oh, Lord. Send me that blog because I'm going to L.A. next week. I want to know all the things that he's eating at and where I should go. I mean, yeah, it's full of things. He travels the world just eating food, looks like. Right. Fantastic. As you know, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to LA next week. I'm going to see my friend Ryan. He's in the band Man Man. And um, mm-hmm. they were just in Seattle. And that show was weird, apparently. But I'm using that as a really ham-fisted segue, sir, <laughs> to mm-hmm. go to the state of Washington. Because what I want to talk about is, uh, is Twin Peaks, dude. Um, as I teased at the top of the show. Dang. I want to... Are you doing it? Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Get it. <laughs> I, can I just tell you that I just started singing, like, uh, I love Twin Peaks, but to the melody of that song, like, every single time, you it's know? Veronica Mars did. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's exactly nice. what I did. Uh, just so everybody knows, I made up a theme song for Veronica Mars to the tune of the theme song for Veronica Mars, but it's not, like, the same lyrics. It's very way. descriptive. It's just, like, her dad. It's just her- describing in a very dry way, like, the elements of the show. 
Right. My favorite is yeah. like uh, she's got a black best friend. <laughs> That's my favorite part. And I don't know why. Well, this, she lives in a town with a lot of socioeconomic problems and tensions, <laughs> sometimes racial ones too. Veronica Mars. <laughs> uh so yeah <laughs> just finished the return and i kind of told you i was making a friend watch it we were watching it together she watched all mm-hmm. of og peaks uh made her watch fire walk with me and then we went through the return it took us a while like about a month to go through the return proper because we what just what were your thoughts on uh fire walk with me just real quick by the way rewatching it because that's oh, a movie I... that is very underrated in his yeah canon. no i i loved it i mean but again i feel like you if you're in Again, put your what, what's that? I say it all the time. Like, put yourself when the pain is drying, sort of deal. And it's just like, listen, I understand in '92, coming right. off that finale, why yeah, you would be mad like, at that oh, movie. Oh shit, we're gonna get answers to what happened yeah. to Cooper. Totally, I, I can understand why people are against it. Now that you're removed from it a little bit, it just oh my god, what a fucking yeah. achievement that film is. Yeah. And you know, Twin. We talked about this before. Twin Peaks uh, OG is really interesting because. All of the darkness that is on straight up on display in Firewalk with me is there. It's just hinted at. It's just talked about in hushed tones. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then to actually see it and how fucked up it all is and how yeah, visceral it it's, is. It's like a two-hour horror movie on abuse, on sex abuse. Right. All things. Um, it's terrifying and just how like what that does to a person. And in a lot of ways, I mean, again, it's 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 like you can't you can't do any of this without the original show. But I feel like the return leans so heavily on Fire Walk with Me and not yes. on the original show. Like yeah. that's the truth. And, and, well, that that was the big question going into the return is is it going to be OG Twin Peaks or is it going to be Fire Walk with Me Twin Peaks? Because Lynch right. has changed a lot since then. His you know his inclinations have shifted a little further away from the zany soap opera hijinks. Can he go back to that? sure is uh, not really yeah no i mean it, but the truth is we didn't want that and you know watching it the first time i had a bunch of interpretations and i well I'm, it reminds me of that rolling stone song it's not so much like sometimes you get what you need yeah you know you don't always get what you want and and i feel like that's what this show was it was a lesson in just like withholding uh what you might want so that you appreciate it more when you get it I described it yesterday when I got done with it. I tried to figure out the best way to kind of describe it because Jen was like, what the fuck did I just watch? And I'm like, only one person knows. And then she said, does he even fucking know? And I said, well, that doesn't matter because like, no, for me, I looked at it as a God allegory. It's like, we are forced to make up our own gods and assign meaning to stuff. And like, there, there's a lazy way of doing that. There's the magic mystery box way of storytelling. That's lazy. And unless you do that correctly, it's bullshit. And then there's what he did, which is like, listen, it's all there. I mean, it's up to you to piece it together however you need to piece it together. But what I really loved about it was like, listen, it it is not Twin Peaks. And yet it is 100% the exact same thing that the original Twin Peaks was. The original Twin Peaks was this really funny and at times horrific satire of what middle America, what small town America is Mm -hmm. and what it was going through at the time. And it's something I did not realize the first time I watched it, but watching it the second time, I think the first time you see Twin Peaks, you see the sawmill and it's closed. Like this is like, think about all the random detours we took in this season that I'm like, well, we didn't necessarily need that. But then you look at them all together. Like there's opioid talks. There's you know what I mean? Yeah. Like people are addicted. There's to this, like, and, and you see that in the roadhouse or whatever, it is. not the roadhouse. It is the roadhouse, right? The bang, bang bar. Right. Where yeah. like people are like, you know, in the background, like that girl, like Sky Ferreira is like yeah. scratching at herself. And like, there's talk of like, you know, kids getting hooked on drugs. And there's that cop that's funneling drugs into the town. Right, dude. Yeah. And it's so like all uh, this dark shit, it's like about like the rot at the core 
of this place that is spread in the 25 years since we last saw it. Right. Um, and I just think it's a really uh, artistic way for him to do the exact same thing he did in the OG Peaks, but the, but the world changed, not Lynch. Lynch just adapted to what the world was. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I feel like, I mean, watching that again, that's the overarching thing. If you want to start getting into like specifics, holy shit, we could do this for hours because it's like mm. phenomenal. But a lot of material. I, I just, you know, I'm really impressed that he was able to do the exact same thing. And even character dynamics, by the way, like Dougie is not Cooper, but they serve the same purpose. They, they, they often have the same effect on other characters. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, Dougie is still helping people in his own like savant being their kind of right. way. You know, like every scenario he happens to fucking wander into, he right. like helps somebody, changes their life for the better. Yeah. Um, and which is like, yeah, I mean, like that relationship's always the same. The biggest difference for me, though, what I really loved about it, and uh, I told you I felt so cold and so empty after the finale the first time I watched it. And yeah. I still feel that way, but I think uh -huh. that's totally the point. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very upsetting to watch. And you're left with this feeling like, did, did, did he win? Did he not? Um, is he just stuck in this place and doesn't like what was his plan? Well, okay, so let's talk about this. Yeah, let's let's. Do you mind getting into the weeds just a little bit on this, and we can post sure. this? I know you haven't watched it in a while, so I, I do apologize. It's been since it aired like, that I saw the last oh, episode. Man. I've seen okay. a couple like in between, but yeah. Okay, so here's the thing: for all that's going on in the world, you can really distill the story into uh, like we're finding out who Judy is, we're finding out the birth of all of the evil, and we're honestly finding out Sarah or not Sarah, Laura Palmer, how she is a pawn in a much larger game, essentially. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. um, and so like, you know, all of that's fucking happening, blah, 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 blah. But it takes you to this last hour. And I was so amazed by the, the last two episodes that aired because they aired together. That 17th episode is like, it's just per it's just perfect it's it's everything you possibly could want and then at the same time after you get the big oh good triumphs over evil we have that scene where the crossfade kicks in that fucking like just that blank stare that he's he's giving right yeah. he's looking and that lingers for i think 11 minutes or something like it's a long fucking crossfade yeah and it's such a clue i remember seeing it and be like this is a clue you need to pay attention to what's going on here and and again, immediately for all the fucking detours, for all the stupid, funny Dougie scenes, like when this guy wants to turn the peaks up to 11, he can do it. <laughs> like you're right. right back in that fucking, that, that world. And like yeah. the lights go off and, and now him and Diane and, and Cole, they're back in some weird dilapidated version of, of the, the hotel. Right. And, and but it, no one's there. There's no light. There's no warmth. They're just there. And, they open the door. It's a portal. We know it's not the real great or the, what's the Northwestern because they changed yeah. the locks. Those locks don't even work. So where are they? Right. Um, he goes back. And as I remember watching this, Jen is just like, wait, are they fucking with time? Is he going to go back and like save Laura Palmer? Spoilers, by the way, I feel very bad about this, but yeah. Spoilers for all of Twin Peaks. Right. Um, Turn this off. Watch it. And so again, you like you, man, episode 17 could have ended and everyone would have been like, all right, like we got yeah. our Twin Peaks out of that. We got I would back. Uh, Freddie punched a guy with the glove. Right. It's great. Well, you wouldn't have felt cheated is my point. Like you would have felt like, I, I guess I got what it, maybe a little too happy ending for Lynch film, but, or, but, but whatever, it's fine. Like, and it does have like a small, like modicum of darkness, but then dude, that fucking 18th hour, like I might be one of the most mesmerizing things I've ever seen on TV. Just long stretches of nothing being said. Yeah. Uh, more importantly, like, I just keep coming back to this whole idea. So, sorry, I'm circling the wagon. But what I mean to say is this. Twin Peaks 1 is about Cooper 
very much being in control of most situations. He's always like one step ahead, or at least he kind of yeah, knows he, conceptually what's going to happen. And he always knows like the exact right thing to do pretty much, or like at least have it has the courage of his convictions to like carry him through any situation. Right. Which um, is kind of why he like barrels into the black lodge thinking that's going to be a fine thing. Right. Uh, but, but, but even beyond that, like, cause his moral, you know, uh, upstanding, of course, like that's, that's, that's his defining characteristic, but it's still the idea that even in the original Twin Peaks, there was no mystery that Cooper couldn't kind of figure out in his own weird fucking, I'm going to throw rocks at a bottle. Right. And this one, it starts with the fireman, right? Him and the yeah. fireman. And again, we're, we're predisposed to, to think, well, Lynch is going to do what Lynch always does. And so here's some clues. It's just like old OG Peaks. Here we go. Yeah. And you could tie meaning to every clue that the fireman gave you in the OG Peaks. Right. This one is so meaningless, like in a good way. That's what I said. I'm like, you're, you have to, def- you have to find meaning and something is meaningless. We, we have to create our own gods and believe that our gods are true. And right. that's what I think he did here because the ending, I'm not going to say I understand what happened because I have like five different scenarios that could be what it is. And there's different I've heard things. Some theories to too, yeah. Like I heard a theory that like the whole plan with the fireman from the beginning was that Cooper would go back to earth and create an alternate reality to trap Judy in. Right. But and see that's what the end of it is, is like he's kind of sacrificing himself to trap the evil like in this other space. But that doesn't work for me. I'm not saying it's not that because I do not have a definitive answer. Well, yeah, it, do, it doesn't matter. There isn't supposed to be a definitive right. one to be clear. Uh, yeah, but for me personally, I don't, I don't like that so much because it takes away from what that ending really is. Like Because if he's willingly sacrificing, if it's the fireman's plan, not Cooper's mm-hmm. plan, that's one thing. But if yeah. it's Cooper's plan, he's un, he, he doesn't know. Like the, 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 all right, so the ending of that thing where he's like, what year is it? First of all, mm-hmm. goosebumps, even saying it now out of context. Right. Uh, but, but Laura screams or Car- Carrie Page screams. And it's not that that scares me. It's the look on Cooper's face because he's never taken by surprise. He's never scared of anything. But he realizes in this moment that like there was no meaning to those clues, that there was the futility of trying to do anything. And so the question comes like, did he save Laura Palmer? If he did that, did he create an impossible universe? The only reason he ever went into the Black Lodge to begin with is because he went to Twin Peaks and that was because of Laura Palmer's murder. If that never happened, did any people exist, right? right? And then so we get into the idea of Richard and Linda, which I try to tell people like, I think that's just a MacGuffin. Like don't pay too much attention to that. Because right. Richard and Linda, to me, again, it's like the futility of trying to make sense of something. Remember Richard and Linda? Well, why? Because they're nobody. He wakes up, and that next day, the motel's different, the car's different, Diane's gone, but he still refers to her as Diane. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. knows who she is. And he is a different Cooper than our Cooper from OG Twin Peaks. Yeah, he's not having a good time. He's not a fun guy. Well, my interpretation of that, and tell me where you're going to come here, and I'm so sorry that we're going down this rabbit hole, people, because I think this is a really funny episode before I got really obsessed with Twin Peaks. Uh, my interpretation of that is when they have sex, that scene, which, like, holy shit, what a powerhouse scene. Uh, yeah, she's I was just, incredible. like, watching that, like, what? Well, she's amazing, and it's just like, no, okay. No, she's wonderful. Jen took it as, as well, Bob as Cooper raped Diane so she has to cover the face to like have any intimacy and I'm like I don't think that that's what it is I think that's a a factor don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. what I think is happening is they know that like in the morning everything's gonna change like before her eyes he is changing and so this is a universe where he never went to Twin Peaks so instead of being stuck in the Black Lodge as an optimistic uh Cooper, mm-hmm. he spent 25 years just doing the same horrific FBI work. He's a hardened person. You know what I mean? He's not 
the Cooper that we know and love. He's not Mr. C. He's not evil, but he's just, he's detached a little bit, you know? And it's like, they're having this moment and she's seeing him change before her eyes. And it's just like, holy fuck. I mean, again, that's not necessarily right, but that's how I took it. And like, that's where I'm connecting with it emotionally. That's all that really matters, I think. Um, But yeah, like I I do want to really just briefly say that like there's nothing uh, in television or film that gets as close to Lynch for me as capturing. I was talking earlier about the fear of the unknown or the fear of uncertainty and especially the final uh, probably like five minutes, but especially like the final 30 minute stretch of that 18th episode is just uh, the most one of the most unnerving, quietly unnerving things I've ever seen. And the way it ends was like I literally jumped in my seat and just stood there staring at my TV yeah. and watching like a slow motion Laura Palmer whispering in Cooper's ear. And I was like, oh, fuck. I don't well, I told know. you. I when don't even want to know what that was. Well, when, when it ended, I was like, no one talked to me for five minutes. I need to come yeah. in to take up smoking just so I could have a moment of silence to myself. I was, yeah, I was just like, like in the fetal position in my apartment or something. I was just like feeling like, right. what the fuck? Like well, all it, the uncertainty in the universe was in that room for a second. Right. Uh, and what I love about it is the final image you see is Cooper being whispered to. And I think that whatever, like, I think the whole linchpin of whatever Twin Peaks is, all the mysteries, it's all wrapped around whatever Laura said. But I don't think that we're ever meant to know what she said. And like, let's say there's a world where season four happens. I don't see why. It's a perfect ending. But I would never bet against Lynch if he's like, I got a tale to tell. I'd be like, all right, I'm in, bro. Yeah. Um, th- that's not, he's not going to clear that up for us, just so you know. You know what I mean? And like, I don't know. It's just for me, it is such an unimpeachable fucking amazing work of art. And also like understand that it is cheesy as fuck at times that it's not like it defies categorization, dude, because it is. How did your friend feel about it uh, at the end? Like after the dust settled? She felt depressed. She felt like, (laughs) of course, like all of us feel depressed. And yeah. It was only when we started getting into some of like the actual nitty gritty. And I, and I think like, I know I've said it like twice now, but cause I think it's the only thing that accurately represents what that show is, is like, it's up to you, man. Like there is no clear definition. Like this is very much like a relationship with a higher power. You need to believe in it in spite of the lack of evidence, in spite of the meaning that's actually there. But because of that, because you can make up all this meaning because you and I are having this conversation right now it's meaningful like that's the only thing that matters you know it's some camu if you will but it's yeah. it's just it's so fucking impressive and so i'm sitting here just being like i rewatched that <laughs> and if you really wanted to like distill it down you could be like okay episodes uh one two and three then jump to eight then jump to 12 then do 17 and 18 that's pretty much like the the main 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 beats of it but you'd be missing everything else that makes that show so fucking important man yeah and no, it, and the the wonderful thing about watching that show that I'll never get in another television show ever again. I guarantee I'll never get this exact scenario. And I know I've said it before on this podcast, but just having a show where every Sunday, and I remember it was airing alongside season seven of Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah. And I would like watch the episode of Game of Thrones first and be like, ugh, like just <laughs> pissed off and like whatever. <laughs> Um, but then I would watch Twin Peaks because with Game of Thrones, like even though it's not based on source material at this point, it like you know where the story is going because like whatever the biggest, boldest, most obvious fucking fan service choice is, yeah. that's what they're gonna do. Uh, with Twin Peaks, from the jump to eight episodes in to however many episodes in, I had no idea what was coming next. You couldn't outguess or outthink that show because it wasn't based on any like formal logic right you know in terms of how you structure a television series 
it was just every week I would sit there with my cup of coffee because I was working nights. So I'd wake up on a Sunday night, drink my cup of coffee and like fall into this universe. Right. And I had no idea what to expect. And that was like, I'll never get that again. So I, I value that show so much. Just yeah. I just, I mean, I, maybe not since lost and I'm not saying that to compare them, but just in terms of like week to week, I didn't know what I was going to get. And yeah. I watched Lost as a teenager, dude. Like, mm-hmm. so the idea that I kind of went from, you know, from ages 14 to 20, I'm like, oh, I'm watching this thing and it's impression, like it's leaving an impression on me. I didn't feel that again until 27, like when, when the return right. aired and I was like, oh my God, this, I haven't felt this in forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you can um, make the argument that it's like sloppy. Um, I know Alan Seppenwall said that, whatever. Um, he also I, called I, it his best show of the year, though, to be clear. So he, oh, he? he, you went after it, but also said there is nothing on TV like it. And I think that's the point. That's what I'm trying to yeah. say. Like, there are a bunch of like ridiculously silly and stupid parts. And like, you don't need a bunch of these auxiliary characters, but they like you take them away and it's not Twin Peaks anymore. Like, that's just the truth, right. you know? And so the way I also I described it to her was like, listen, you're allowed to be mad. Like, I was mad. The truth is this, you can be pissed at this show, but I guarantee you this show will keep creeping into your mind. Like you will continually fucking think about this. You'll, you'll be haunted by Cooper saying, what year is this over and over again? And like, she's, she's just a fucking champ. She's really good. We're, we're about to do a pilot season to kind of like, what do we watch next? We have a fucking Twin Peaks size hole in our hearts, you know? But um, Mad Men. See, she's already seen Mad Men. That was my first recommendation. So we're actually going to do a pilot season. I've been looking for a reason to rewatch that show, and I've rewatched it like four or five times. We can watch it together. I we can do. We can do it, it for our show, um, yeah. which will be fine. But yeah, I mean, I just really want to just stress again that like I, I'm not sure. I'm not like obviously there have been other television shows that have made me more emotional consistently. Or I have thought, oh, this is prettier. Like this shot is prettier. Like it's Breaking Bad to me is more beautifully framed with every single shot than Twin Peaks is. But that's not the same thing. Like Twin Peaks exists in the part of my brain that nothing else touches. Because I I put away other art all the time. I can't put it away. It's it's like this weird thing where it it obviously came from somebody's subconscious and it like creeps its way into yours. And right. on that level, it makes sense on that subconscious dream logic level. And right. that's kind of more potent or powerful than like, oh, yeah, because in the third act, you need to do this and blah, 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 blah. Like, this doesn't follow that, those rules of writing. Which, as you know, I'm a big, uh, I mean, Campbell's my you're, shit. You're I, lo- guy. I, yeah, I love are. the monomyth. I mean, I think, it's, I think it's the easiest way to do it. And what's even more impressive, and I was telling Jen this, it's just like, look, there are rules of writing and stick to it. I'm not saying that you can't subvert it, but like stick to it because you're not talented enough to subvert it unless you're David Lynch because that shit is, that breaks like every fucking rule. Honestly, yeah. dude, if you look at it, it's closer to a reverse hero's journey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Except yeah. that the last third is gone and he's just back to where he was in the fucked up place. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I don't understand how anyone can do what that guy's done. It's, it's so easy to look at it and be like, it's weird for the sake of being weird. And then when you look at it, all together it is just like this incredible fucking mosaic that you'll under, you'll on a on a good day 70% maybe mm-hmm. but the other 30% will just fuck with you and you'll want to know what it means and you'll never know and it's just so for me the, the, an accomplishment that i have never seen in tv before because we've seen yeah. everything in the world we're we're like not just I'm you and so, i because, i'm so glad you watched it by the way because like none of my other friends have like maybe a couple i sat johnny down and we watched the pilot together and he was like well that was interesting and then he never watched another episode so. oh, like the very of the og no 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 oh, no okay. of uh return, return. yeah because okay. he had seen he had seen og peaks or whatever but gotcha. 
So yeah, man, I mean, I just want to, I just really want to give some praise to that. I was trying to, I was really just trying to get Jen to understand because again, if I show you something like lost, there's enough like life affirming, Oh, destiny moments that you're like, Oh, mm -hmm. okay. I get it. Yeah. Like it makes you feel something like <laughs> Twin Peaks makes me not feel any of that shit, but that's not a bad thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, at least Dougie Jones uh, got a happy ending. Him well, I told man. you, she was on board with Dougie immediately. Like, from you and the, I... From the beginning. Yeah, well, you yeah. and I, we were like, okay, this is You're fine. like, oh, okay, oh, okay for, for an episode, that's Hurry fine. Up. Yeah, wrap it up, wrap it up. And then, like, 16 episodes later, you're just like, I love this character. He's the rake gag of characters. I was more mad that Cooper came back. I was like, <laughs> we don't need him. Dougie's... <laughs> but honestly, though, like, when he gives the thumbs up or whatever, and he's like... Oh, well, sure. okay. Yes, no, but that brings us to the point because me and Jen both, I was like, can I just tell you the first time that that scene happens with Battle and Bud? It's like, call the FBI. I am the FBI. Thumbs up, dude. Mm -hmm. And the music starts swelling, the Twin yeah. Peaks music. I legit, I'm not fucking blowing smoke up. I cried a little bit. I was like, oh, oh I did too. I, I did too, man. Because like, and that, that moment was an example, the perfect example of withholding what your audience wants because all of us just wanted to see Coop back in action, being right. Cooper, Kyle MacLachlan and up the place. And instead, we like spend all this time with all these other characters he's playing. Right. Finally get it. And it makes it so much better that we had to wait. It makes you appreciate it more. Well, that dude's amazing because what I was gonna say is like he's playing oh. four different characters. Not like I know we say three, but I'm gonna go with four because I mean, you could argue even like five, right? I'm sure. I mean, well, my Mr. C, Dougie, regular Coop, right? Mm -hmm. But then that that weird, uh, you know, Carrie Page version of Cooper, the hardened 25 year version of Cooper, and each right. one is different. I mean, yeah. holy shit, man! And I, I was even saying Mr. C really is the more impressive role. Like Dougie is amazing. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, well, like but, Mr. C is like kind of ridiculous looking at first. You're like, that's a weird costume hair choice. I, and I agree. Then as soon as he like actually starts doing anything, you're like, oh god, okay. He changed the shape of his face for that yeah. version of Cooper. And it's not prosthetics. He can just yeah. make his face look like that. And I'm like, what the fuck? And also just like his eyes were black. I don't right. know if he was wearing lenses, but like yeah. that definitely like added something to it. It was like, ugh. Right. Good job. Good job, man. Like um, the fact that he won won like no awards for that, no right. major ones is yeah. fuck awards. Well, shows. and again, this is why awards are bullshit. Like I, I take stock in them because it means you know uh, recognition for people that I really love, but it also just shows you how many times great things have been completely overlooked and not fucking like that show is too too amazing to have been shut out the way it was. But I also want to say one last thing about it, which is just on a writing perspective. I know Lynch gets a lot of shit because he thinks up a lot of things on set and. By the way, if that's true for 90% of shit, he's a genius because it still works for me. Yeah. Um, there, there is a story on the set of Wild at Heart that, like, he, he was shooting a scene and he was like, everybody stop. It was like take three. And he's like, we need something else going on in the background. I need a red pipe, a PVC pipe about 14 feet long, and I need that crew member to walk across the camera with it over his shoulder. And action. <laughs> And it made it to the movie. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, he sees That's it all just an on example of him. Yeah. But as a writer, I was really impressed with him. There's a scene where Mr. C arrives in Twin Peaks in episode 17 or whatever, and he sits down with Frank Truman. And uh, which, by the way, Robert Forrester, God damn it, so good. <laughs> like, such, I'm so glad he got to do this because he was the original choice for uh, Harry Truman, apparently. Okay. And, um, and so there's a scene where he sits down with Mr. C and he's like, Cooper, a beat, a beat, a beat, 
Cooper and he knows two Coopers you know what I mean that's like us the audience him letting us know like because for, for Mr. C it's like oh he's just saying my name twice like oh he's rec- re- recognition or whatever like I love how Mr. C is like trying to pretend to be a friendly guy or whatever oh, he's dude. just so bad at it I loved it I said that I'm like this like again why is Kyle McLaughlin so good because Mr. C's emotion is an alien approximating what emotion is like yeah. when he smiles at Lucy I'm just like this is so fucking so weird man unnerving it's like ugh. So yeah, I'm just, you know, we ranted about it and I do, I would love to do an actual, actual deep dive about this whenever you rewatch it eventually. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, as much as I've always loved that guy, I just, there is no filmmaker who he, he, I think he's very quickly come up to like, oh, he might just be my favorite filmmaker. Like for the longest time I had to give it to like other people who could actually tell a fucking story. But the (laughs) truth is like, he doesn't need to tell a story by anyone else's definitions of telling a story. Here's the beauty of David Lynch. He can tell a story if he wants to like blue velvet, pretty coherent story. Straight story is this beautiful PG rated Disney movie that makes me cry every time I watch it like a fucking baby. Yeah. Um, He just chooses not to. Right. (laughs) Which makes him all the more impressive. He's like, I could play by your rules. (laughs) Fuck you. Which is amazing. Um, lines. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's such an achievement. And so now I'm sitting here being like, uh, please go back to Twin Peaks, even though it's a perfect ending, because I just, I don't think he wants to make movies anymore. Although literally anything that that guy does next, please, just, I'm there. Like, I want him to collaborate with Tom Waits just before they both kick the bucket. That's all I want. It's never happened. It doesn't make any sense that it has And Ron happened. Perlman. Ron Perlman needs to be there as well. Ron uh, Perlman, just for the gruff factor. <laughs> It's just him and Tom Waits play brothers. That's what I'm saying. Like I've always seen that as like Tom Waits and was the maybe was the Nick Rudd Nolte brother. is the estranged brother. So they all just sound the same. They're having a conversation. I was scared to talk about it, you know what I'm saying, Rob? It's like, yeah, but I just yeah. that. It's like, that's it's like that scene thing. where Nick Nolte is drunk in um Warrior. Bro, I just saw that movie. Listen, I just saw that movie and I was watching it with a friend of mine and then he has this like a big emotional monologue and I literally was like, I have no idea what he just said. If I hadn't had subtitles on, it would have just sounded like... (laughs) 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 It was like, what? (laughs) What did he Oh my God, just phenomenal. So him, Tom Waits, maybe throw Mickey Rourke in there too because he's a great... I thought you meant Mickey Rudy for a second and I'm just like, ah, shit, that's an interesting choice. (laughs) Oh, best ensemble cast of all time. Jesus Christ. Anyway, dude, I don't know. I just, I really wanted to give that... I know we went on it for a very long time, so where's my burrito audiences? If you haven't watched Twin Peaks, I'm sorry, but I hope we piqued your interest because like... Oh. You like that? (laughs) Peaks. uh but yeah dude it's 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 just so important to me i don't know i i there are things like the leftovers there are things like things like lost like that i can tell you precisely what about those i love and why they mean so much to me in a million years i will not be able to articulate (laughs) properly why twin peaks is so special to me you have to watch it and here's the thing i think it's i think it's like you know you know they say like there's a percentage of the population who just can't do certain things that everyone else can do you know some people can't snap some people can't you know there's colorblindness and shit you know what i mean i think that there is legit a colorblindness gene for twin peaks and people like or or just lynch in general but specifically the return man because it's like yeah yeah, there's some people who are going to see that and think it's awful like terrible i understand and, that and i would understand yeah it's like i couldn't blame them too much i'd be like okay i get it i right. get why you think that um but yeah i don't know i'm glad i'm one of those people that has the whole the old uh, twin peaks gene 
I just want to point out that we had a whole conversation about why are we putting artists on pedestals when there's 15-year-old Nazi killers out there, and then we spent 40 minutes just jerking off David Lynch. I just want to throw that out there. In fairness, David Lynch Foundation is helping out, you know, uh, victims of domestic abuse, um, inner-city school kids, and soldiers with PTSD. I haven't seen those receipts. I haven't seen those receipts at all. That could just be a thing they say, man. (laughs) Let's be real. think he's just pocketing it all for himself all the money cut to a scene of david lynch diving into his own money like fucking like scrooge mcduck 